The AI Today podcast, produced by Cognolytica, cuts through the hype and noise to identify what is really happening now in the world of artificial intelligence. Learn about emerging AI trends, technologies, and use cases from Cognolytica analysts and guest experts. Hello, and welcome to the AI Today podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Walsh. And I'm your host, Ronald Schmelzer, and we are thrilled to have with us today a special feature here. We have another great interview with a podcast host who has been covering the AI market and the AI scene, especially the emerging technology companies and startups. And from a very international perspective, uh, she is in Bucharest, Romania today, but of course, is also based in Toronto, Canada. And I wanted to basically uh, welcome our guest, Alexandra Petros from the Applied AI Pod, uh, the, the podcast that she runs. So thank you so much for joining us on the AI Today podcast. Uh, thank you so much for having me, Kathleen, Ronald. It's a pleasure to, to be here today with you. Yeah, thanks so much for joining us. We'd like to start by having you introduce yourself to our listeners, tell them a little bit about your background and why you started your podcast. And wonderful. Well, firstly, it's great to be on the AI Today show uh, with you today. And as far as for my background, I'll try to keep it simple. I'm a product builder uh, with deep tech technologies and alongside deep tech uh, developer teams. Uh, I dedicate my time on three main directions. Uh, the first one is tech product management. And currently, I'm an incoming uh, builder for a top uh, voice AI provider. Uh, that will mean plenty of machine learning systems, natural language processing, and natural language understand understanding uh, at scale, of course. Uh, I'm an AI community and acceleration builder in Europe. And um, for example, uh, in the AI community I built, we run year-round events with deeplearning.ai on uh, specific AI topics, and to discuss specific um, uh, industries where AI is applied, the scale or not, or in a smaller size. Uh, and because we're on the AI Today show, today we just opened our call for startups for our AI pre-accelerator, uh, where we target European AI startups, European AI teams or practitioners. So anyone can apply. Uh, we've ran the same pre-accelerator last year and it was a success. Uh, and the third direction, I'm a podcast host, as you've mentioned, Applied, a uh, Applied AI Pod. Uh, this is a general AI podcast uh, and it tries to bring those real talks, those real stories from the real people behind AI technologies, AI engineers, research scientists, AI product builders, uh, AI innovation managers, uh, and so on and so forth. Uh, so basically, I'm looking at the practical perspective uh, and uh, I'm trying to bring um, this circular economy of awareness, know-how, and uh, of course, connections to the world because uh, the AI space uh, is not that uh, wide and everyone knows everyone in this business. So we're trying to uncover more and more people to try to tell, to expose those real AI stories out there. And uh, that's me in a nutshell. Yeah, well, I think that's fantastic. I mean, first of all, uh, great perspectives. I think you know. Obviously, it's it's the the for the podcast is a side note to the to the other stuff that that you're focused on, especially building the AI community uh, in Europe and nationwide. And that's one of the things that we have seen as well. 
interesting, I think, about AI is that how international it truly is. Some of the other technologies that maybe have come about over the last 20, 30, 40 years have been somewhat Silicon Valley centric, you know, whether it's actual silicon, you know, from Silicon Valley, that's why it's called Silicon Valley, or it's social media technology, or it's like the the web 1.0 or the web 2.0, or even cloud computing. There's a lot of centricity to a very particular part of the world, but that's not the case with AI. AI researchers are all over the world, notably in the United Kingdom and France, all over Europe, Australia and Asia and China and Japan. In Africa, we've had conversations with people there in Mauritius, places like that, in Colombia. Um, and I think that's really fantastic. It's really, it's really great to see that because it's a, a lot the, the fundamental challenge of making machines intelligent is something that's a, a long uh, a long bit of a story. And and for, for listeners who might be coming to this podcast, perhaps from Alexandra Petrus's podcast, maybe you, you heard, you because we, we're going to be doing a little trade, you might have heard us on Applied AI Pod, and you might be wondering what we talk about. We are, we are focused here on the AI Today podcast on the people who are trying to implement the technology and put it into use. So it's companies of all sizes, enterprises and government agencies, you know, from finance and healthcare and insurance and retail and construction and fashion and all sorts of pharmaceuticals and governments, national governments, state and local. We interview them here on AI Today podcast. And a lot of times they talk about sort of the the, the mismatch between what you might be hearing about AI from the researchers, from the vendor community, and what they're actually struggling with a lot of times is just basic data problems, you know, data quantity, data quality, those sorts of things. And, and that's what we focus on. So for the new listeners who may be here for the first time, come back. We have like over 200 episodes, interviews with companies of all sorts, uh, Heineken and, uh, you know, Wells Fargo and, and uh, banks of all sorts and, and GlaxoSmithKline and, and uh, all sorts of companies, as well as government agencies in the US, the Department of Energy and the Defense and this and that, but also the city of Oslo and uh, House of Lords and, and, and folks in Australia. So it's really interesting insight. So I, I think, you know, perhaps from that perspective, uh, from your podcast, because I know you're focusing on, on, on sort of this, uh, the growth, Mark, you know, the emerging technology space, kind of where things are coming. What have you seen um, as some of the common themes and some of the interesting insights, uh, both from your work, uh, the day job, as it were, as well as uh, in the podcast as well? Uh, yeah, thank you for the question. I I think, you know, everyone sees mostly the same thing, everything being um, split across uh, three, again, directions. You have AI education, where you try to bring and raise awareness towards AI concept, demystify or bring on the falsehoods about AI, because um, uh, there are so many coverages and so, so much contact, content indexed. Um, that it doesn't picture uh, the correct way of what AI technologies can do or how they are built or what's their current stage. Uh, and that creates a panic, that creates uh, the, the, the fear of, you know, machines taking over and so on and so forth. So the first direction that I see is common across the board, no matter the geography, as you've mentioned, is, of course, this AI education. And, for example, in the Applied AI pod, I try to speak with AI educators. Um, I spoke, for example, with um, Professor Temu Rus. Um, uh, the the uh, central uh, builder in uh, Elements of AI, which is a MOOC, number one AI MOOC on uh, um, AI 
basic informations of AI for citizens, uh, it was actually uh, built by University of Helsinki in collaboration with the technology company Reactor, uh, and then supported by European Commission. Uh, And there were like 750,000 people that took the course today. Uh, So that's almost close to 1 million people. trying to uh, understand the raw concepts of AI, uh, um, you know, bringing the the basics of AI. And uh, this happened across 170 countries, so EU-wide. And a fun fact of that is that 40% of the course participants are women. So just from these numbers, we can tell that things are changing, which is a good thing. Um, uh, The gender gap, uh, is slowly disappearing. I live in a bubble myself. I don't have any issue in bringing, for example, a gender ba- balance audience to an event. For example, the AI events we run, they are 50-50. We never had an issue in bringing uh, gender balance to our events. So that's a good thing. Uh, that's a positive thing. Another thing um, I've seen in the podcast for AI education, uh, I, I had a, a conversation with Valerio Velardo. He's both a domain and a technology expert in musicology. And um, he's building and nurturing uh, this AI community for sound and audio. Uh, we have Hugging Face for, for uh, video but uh, and audio. But for text, uh, I mean, Hugging Face is moving into text nowadays more and more. Uh, but he's, uh, he's uh, building this, uh, I, I usually um, like to push people to, to, to build this audacious dream or to, to build that momentum with them. If they started something, I want to push them. You can do this a lot further. So uh, he might build a hugging face for sound and audio. Uh, he's a music composer, pi- piano teacher, but he's also an AI and deep learning developer himself. So he understands everything intrinsically and extrinsically. Um, And um, he mentioned that, for example, AI and deep learning can be used in musicology and music creation uh, and feels like a breath of fresh air for when you have your creation block moments. So we are able to identify healthy way of using technology. So we don't feel like we are um, not performing at our job or our job is being taken over by machines. Uh, But I believe it takes both the domain and technology expert combo to deliver this message correctly. So this is why I try to cover the AI education and I've seen this pattern in the world, everyone trying to do, everyone that works in the field trying to do this. So this is a healthy thing to do. Uh, And another fun fact that I've learned from from, uh, the podcast I've ran is that the first piece of music generated by a machine happened in 1957. So just it, put so much weight on things built by machines happens from a long time ago. So things are not new. Um, And we have to repeat this over and over and over so that regular citizens understand this and they don't have to learn AI. They just have to understand the fact that AI has been here um, a long time before it was actually uh, on the news. Um, the, the second direction, the second bucket I see a pattern in, in the AI space is, of course, uh, furthering the understanding for AI startups. And this comes from, again, uh, a background where we have software development, software as a service companies um, 
set everyone with the idea that once you have a business, you should have traction. Or once you have a business, you should have a, a technology readiness level that uh, investment round, at least Series A, is uh, is accepted. While deep tech startups, uh, they start small. They start in a lab. Uh, they are around technology readiness level three. They just exited lab. They have at best an MVP. And they try to test that technology with larger volumes of data. As you mentioned, data uh, centricity is an important aspect. And we have to, again, to redefine um, and normalize um, expectations for deep the, the deep tech space. Uh, what should a beginning phase for uh, this space look like? Uh, we should not compare with the previous uh, space. Like, yeah, sure, internet first companies had the, uh, the commonality on the fact that they were delivered via internet, an internet connection. Uh, they had the specific data acquisition strategy and so on and so forth. But for deep the, the, the space, everything, the paradigm changes a bit. So uh, I've seen this pattern again. Um, and for example, I've learned from a VC investor uh, in one of the Applied AI pod uh, episodes that uh, while for developers, AI developers, it's fancy and cool to work on open source AI. And even for myself, you know, I'm consuming everything. It's, it's cool to see open source AI. Um, some VCs don't see this as a good direction um, because they per they perceive this uh, as an idealistic uh, approach, and um, their recommendation was that companies should not uh, start with open sourcing their technology, their AI. They should start by patenting their work and then go in stealth mode for a while. And after they secure their investment and clients to, of course, move away from building to scaling and entering the open market. I'm not saying I agree or disagree. I'm just exposing different perspectives on the fact that, you know, there are different people out there, different opinions, different perspectives, and we have to consider everything. Uh, what for us in our bubble seems like the perfect solution, go for open um, source AI because it democratizes and it pushes uh, progress for AI technologies further and faster. It might not be the best recommendation or solution for others. Um, and the third directional pattern that uh, I've seen is the general AI awareness. Like you are doing on AI Today podcast. You're bringing on what's happening in the world right now for AI, progress, real impact, real practicality. Um, again, this is something most of us in our niche are doing or trying to do at a smaller or larger scale. Um, and I have this on, on my podcast show as well. I try to bring this general AI awareness. I try to focus it on diving deep for details in a specific market, in a specific niche or specific AI uh, method or algorithm. For example, uh, we've uh, discussed about driving customer experience and revenue with natural language processing for, for market and e-commerce because it's uh, quite hot to use uh, natural language processing for e-commerce. Uh, we discussed about using artificial intelligence in gaming development. Again, it's uh, uh, pretty, the, the adoption curve here is increasing. Um, so practically bringing more light on how to manage delivering AI to consumer level products. Um, and um, everything that has been shared with me, it's interesting. I remember that late last year or beginning of uh, 2021, I had a discussion with a former AI professor and I was asking him, you know, 
where does he see the evolution of AI in 2021, particularly this year? And he said, transformers will revolutionize everything. And we are today in, um, you know, Q4 almost and uh, of 2021 and transformer indeed are, are we, everyone says that we are seeing just the tip of the iceberg here. Uh, so everything we see with GPT-3, GPT-J or Dolly and so on and so forth about, uh, um, you know, using attention differently to uh, create uh, bis- uh, bits of content from text that's happening. We just seen uh, Synthesia doing their video AI creation from synthetic data. You know, we've seen uh, examples of using deep fakes at scale for good. So everything is moving more towards creating this content without that um, uh, amount of effort. It's not, you know, there yet, of course, but the potential is huge. And um, yeah, I, I'm a huge uh, tester, beta tester of everything. Uh, definitely for some industries, it could work out. Like, for example, um, uh, the video AI synthetic data creation it could definitely work out for realtors. You know, when you try to see a real estate, yeah, sure, I would love to run the virtual tour and have someone do me the tour. Uh, I wouldn't trust someone giving me a description where I have to see emotions. So yeah, there's a lot to catch up, but uh, it's definitely interesting. Uh, I see a bit of uh, adoption, slow AI adoption at consumer level. Uh, maybe the pandemic and uh, digitalization, it's also helping us, but um, things are going strong, slow, but strong. <laughs> yeah, that was, you brought up so many points. I want to talk <laughs> yeah. about so many of them. <laughs> you know, the first one, like way back when you were talking about how the first piece of AI generated music came out in 1957, we talk a lot on the AI Today podcast about how AI is not not new, how AI is not new. And hopefully by now our listeners who have been following us and and listening to multiple episodes know that. But it's interesting to continue to to hear how others in the space, maybe if they're just casual or coming on board, do not know that AI has been around for a very long time. We talk about how, you know, the idea of AI came about before computers and many of the pioneers in computing like Alan Turing um, helped to actually develop the computer. So um, we are very, you know, we we always observe the market and we're very cautious because AI has also gone through two previous winters where a big reason for them, and so the winters for the audience that does not know is a period of just decline in investment, decline in adoption, and folks, you know, governments, companies went and uh, did a different technology that was not AI to solve a problem. And there's been two of those waves where we had a period of decline. And a big reason for both of those two winters was over-promising and under-delivering. So when you brought up, you know, people really need to understand what AI can and cannot do, that's so incredibly important. And at Cognolytica, which is our AI-focused research advisory and education firm, we talk about that all the time. You know, understand what the technology can do, understand how to apply it. We have uh, education around this, including best practices, CPMAI, the Cognitive Project Management for AI Education, because we feel that it's so important that folks understand. And, you know, you mentioned that 
running AI projects is not like running other traditional application development projects. And we talk about that a lot as well. So you need methodologies that are data centric, AI centric. You know, you can't you can't run things the way you used to. So we always talk about that. And I know many of our listeners have gone through the course. You can go to courses.cognolitica.com to learn more if you're interested in signing up. And I encourage you to check it out if you're interested at all. Um, but so, you know, those are some of the, the great points that you brought up. Now, I know on your podcast in particular, because you also talked about, you know, adoption and how you talk with VCs and VCs talking to VCs, you always get such, you know, different perspectives, sometimes not always in line with reality. Uh, sometimes some VCs really do have a good pulse on the market. <laughs> Investment is out of control in AI companies. We have covered that on multiple podcasts in research. Ron and I also write for Forbes and we've talked talked about that. I mean, this is years, years going strong with AI companies just really getting heavy, large rounds of investment. So, you know, you're able to get this unique perspective of both industry and with startups as well. So what are you seeing and where are you seeing AI adoption strongest in terms of different markets and also within startups themselves? Yeah, that's a good question. Not an easy one because uh, it's complex. Um, I've just finished uh, the previous question saying that the AI adoption is slow, but strong. <laughs> It's uh, it's opposing somehow, but uh, I see that it's nice the fact that the AI adoption is slowly increasing, um, accent on the slowly side. Um, the digitalization and the pandemic brought more technologies to light and more use cases on how we can actually put it, the, the AI to use. Uh, definitely, I can tell that from all my experiences and all the spaces I'm active in, people are surprised. They get excited. You see, like uh, my heritage doing the deep fakes and people loving it. You see Synthesia doing their marketing thing, people loving it. You see Facebook launching Ray Bans, Wayfair, um, Google Glasses, like uh, of the present, people loving it. Um, so we see many different AI technologies being brought to life nowadays. Uh, definitely. Uh, uh, as you mentioned, there's a lot of space to improve in respect to processes, how we use the methodologies, how we deliver the products and services, and overall AI businesses. Um, but uh, what creates enough value to be brought to life is um, um, the fact that AI may give end customers and consumers, us, you know, humans, some time back. And any use of artificial intelligence where we grab something for our own, for our own life, like time so precious or attention so precious, even more important, uh, it's actually very valued uh, even if it's not understood. So even if you don't understand artificial intelligence per se as a human, but if it brings you something so precious as time back, you start using it. So I've seen more and more um, people being surprised and uh, actually accepting to use something with AI because it brings them something with the net value back. Uh, so if it can bring something of value to their life, they are using it. Because up until this moment, the examples were very science fiction, science fictional somehow. Uh, but now everything is uh, being brought to life in a real um, context, in a real world. And um, 
uh, more positive interpretation are being displayed. Uh, not everything is taking our jobs. Not everything is, uh, you know, uh, taking over our world. Um, just a bit of history here. When AI started to come more at consumer level, it was firstly adopted in industries like manufacturing or transportation. Uh White collar people, uh, white collar jobs uh, were at risk and people were afraid that they won't have a job any longer. AI came, actually 5,000 jobs disappeared, but 500,000 jobs disappeared and 800,000 jobs were created. So when you do the math, you actually realize that it was actually creating more jobs. Um, and these worlds were turned upside down. Then we had the robotic process automation. We had the Romanian company, UiPath, that actually coined everything. Yeah, I cannot do a podcast without not mentioning any UiPath, of course. Uh, they coined this uh, space, the robotic process uh, uh, automation uh, market. And everyone is seeing the benefits of automating, you know, boring tasks, tedious, small ones. Um so people are not afraid of losing their jobs anymore. They are actually uh, dropping a line in their CV. I can work with uh, UiPath robots. Okay, so this is a benefit. People understood that now it's a benefit, it's not a danger. So it took a bit of time and a bit of education and explanation. Of course, we will further seeing the automation by synthetic data. Now it's just the beginning. People are getting comfortable with the fact that, okay, I'm going to see an alter, a virtual person, but uh, they will deliver a message. But soon you'll see the automation by synthetic data. Uh, we'll get comfortable with it, not in all the industries, of course. Um, and then, um, of course, I'm nothing in metaverse or something like this. I don't go that far. Uh, even though there are tools that try to build us in virtual environments. And uh, for example, um, um, the, uh, there's a community, Women in AI headquartered in France that uh, I'm part of, and uh, they ran their uh, last year events uh, by a virtual tool, you know, some sort of metaverse. Uh, it was interesting. Um, but where I see AI adoption is actually helping us go from one cycle to another faster and not solving a huge problem for an industry. They're solving small micro problems in, a, in a smaller industries. And um, I see AI actually being brought more at consumer level. Um, and those, so there's two sides of the markets where I see AI uh, happening more and more and being adopted more. One are the experimental technological driven markets like gaming. Yes, AI will be, uh, you know, king in uh, in the world of gaming, um, because people are open to use technology and people are open to being immersed in experimental environments. So the adoption will be increased there compared to the real world. Uh, but also, you know, um, real world in respect to collaborative working and virtual communication. Um, we won't tell that we are using AI. Uh, models or methods or mathematical algorithmic uh, models, we will tell that something uh, is being done faster, better, simpler. We will see improvements. Um, for example, I, I was uh, chatting in one of our AI events and the developer asked like, when can you tell that you delivered an AI project well? What's the, okay, you have KPIs, of course you can track it. But the ultimate tracking is when the end user, the end customer 
doesn't tell its AI and tells you, wow, that was so simple. They can't tell. It was simple, very simple, very natural, very intuitive. That's really hard to do. Um, I'm joining the voice AI market. Doing simple, natural, intuitive is not on the cards right now. It's a, it's a complex aspect to tackle. So those markets where we can impact metrics have a direct impact on KPIs and like a prediction for any market, safeguarding for any market, or delivering something at micro levels, like for virtual communications, delivering something faster, better. Uh, those will get adopted. Experimental markets like gaming, tech markets, yes, it will get adopted because you have like the um, adoption curve. You have a lot of early adopters um, and um, it's exciting times ahead, of course. Um, watching everyone contributing and watching everything unfold, I think it feels surreal for those of us that actually test the technologies. Um, I definitely feel myself like in Isaac Asimov. A book all the time. Actually, started rereading those in uh, in the pandemic because uh, I feel like things are yeah are happening. <laughs> uh, the Naked Sun by Isaac Asimov, for example, uh, is definitely close to a pandemic from my perspective. So um, real life is changing. Uh, people's acceptance of how we use technologies is changing. Courses like Elements of AI that are uh, bringing you know, basic informations of AI to regular students, my mother, my father, my grandmother, yes, they, they are being exposed to what AI means in their app, WhatsApp, for example. How are WhatsApp using AI? And um, you know, young generation, they see how AI is being used uh, in TikTok. So things are being shown more and this will increase the adoption. I don't see experimental markets, tech markets, and those markets that uh, we are rushed to make a change. Like we were rushing the pandemic with the digital transformation, especially for virtual communication and collaborative working. Everyone had to do improvements. Microsoft had to improve their Microsoft Teams. They didn't have uh, that on the roadmap. Uh, Google uh, Meet again, they had to improve it. Zoom did so many things. Um, and of course, uh, things are changing, like the crowd streaming platforms. They you have to use AI because it's, it makes something more efficient, at least one, one step of your journey. Mm -hmm. And um, more roles are showing up, uh, more teams are being created. Things are naturally evolving, but slowly, but strongly. <laughs> Yeah. Well, um, I, I'm glad you brought up UiPath because you had to. I mean, the, the, the big unicorn coming out of uh, Romania. But it's interesting because uh, it, it has a correlation with AI, although in the early days, they didn't really help the market. They were confusing. I have to say they took a lot of the blame for confusing process automation, robotic process automation and AI. They are completely different things. I mean, you can automate processes that have no intelligence at all, just like you can have robots with no intelligence at all. You can go to your local toy store and I can buy 20 of them tomorrow and they're robots that are not intelligent. They won't build anything for me. So um, so it's good to mention, but, 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 it is, but it is interesting because they are highlighting a large part of this transformation because because what you said about about taking the menial tasks away from the the, the people so that we can be, spend our time doing the things that our brains are much better at 
uh, is a really important thing because I, I think that that's sort of key to it. That sort of brings up um, sort of the next question here, which has a lot to do with sort of like kind of looking forward a bit, you know, and, and some of the surprises, as mentioned, you know, one of the things that when we were inter- are interviewing our, you know, Fortune 1000, even Fortune 10, you know, the largest companies in the world and the largest organizations. And we asked them like, okay, well, you, we haven't only done one data science project, one machine learning project, one AI project, you probably have done a whole bunch. You must have some sort of methodology. You brought up methodology and we bring up methodology. You must have some approach that you use. So that way, when you're bringing new people onto the team or when you're acquiring some product or you know, using some consulting firm, you have a standard way you run a data project. And the answer is no, they don't. I was like, but you guys are not, there's Nick, no standard methodology and they're like you know no like that, that's first of all that's ir- we feel very irresponsible uh it's a sign of the immaturity of the market i think it calls into question honestly some of the skills of the people who have the chief data officer title but that's a whole other story but that was a big surprise for us and and that's what led us to dive deeper into okay well let's not talk about the technology so much let's talk about the methodology more and I'm I'm wondering same thing like you know in your interviews and when what you've seen in the in the tech world the startup world what have you seen some of the surprise something that's surprising you know with regards to to AI and and sort of what with like a, a disconnect between what you would expect to happen and and what you're actually seeing definitely well I won't bring the same aspect you brought but another surprise I would say it was about the human side of Fito. Because it takes a village to build an AI project. It takes a team. It's not a a one-man show. Um, And what I've seen as a pattern, or I can identify as a pattern in the show and in the AI events, is this infinite mindset to people leading um, divisions, uh, being a data acquisition division, be it a machine learning development division, uh, or testing division, and so on and so forth. So they anchor everything into uh, five essentials to live with. One, uh, so this was actually invented by Simon Sinek, the infinite mindset, but I can definitely see the pattern to everyone I've discussed driving and leading uh, something uh, in an AI project. One, they advance a just cause. They make it because it feels right uh, to build that. Uh, They build trusting teams. Uh, they they try to build uh, trust in each other and teams that trust one another because there are so many wheels that need to uh, spin at the same time um, that you have to have trust in the other teams that are delivering alongside you to have the final delivery, a good one. Uh, then the third one, uh, they study worthy rivals. So we have... Um, this uh, chase for uh, research papers publication. Is it China that publishes more papers? Is it US? Is it Europe? Uh, I think everyone is studying each other and everyone is studying research papers and they even um, coded themselves, you know, scripts to actually um, uh, read themselves the papers when they have five minutes. Um, They do this summary. Uh, The first one, Part of the infinite mindset is that they prepare for existential flexibility. So we're talking about products that are going to change our life. We're talking about products that will change our tomorrow completely or that reinterpret our concept of what normal means. So they they try to have this existential flexibility 
uh, it's quite important. And final and certainly not least, they demonstrate the courage to lead. It takes courage to lead in an EA project. You don't know stuff. There's a lot, not a lot. Everything is ambiguous. Um, you don't have KPIs for most of the AI processes out there. You've mentioned methodologies and not running processes. Well, we don't have KPIs for some of the useful things. We, ha we have some top KPIs like accuracy, precision, recall, and so on and so forth. But I think you, you need to have more KPIs driven by the specific uh, AI technology out there and the market you apply it to. And it needs to you need to dive deeper. And for example, for natural language processing, everyone is trying to um, impose some KPIs. Like Facebook is trying to bring some KPIs. Um, they are tracking towards uh, uh, everyone else is doing too. So there's not a, a, a band, a general uh, universal band, accepted band. So everything is being built. So when everything is being built, we have to have the courage to say something. And what I've seen in um, the speakers I've talked to, they all have the courage to speak or to lead with decency, respect, and of course, trust in each other. So these are the five characteristics I think to, to everyone that I've talked to in the AI space. And I think the infinite mindset is the one that it's correct to have with AI because something that we're going to build today is going to be there for our children. And we may not be here tomorrow when we our children use it. So it's actually important to have this infinite. I find it essential to find the, to have the infinite mindset in an AI project. Uh, we're going to figure out together by this circular economy of uh, exchange on know-how, connections, uh, context, uh, context, and so on and so forth on what's the uh, best methodology. Uh, Cognitica will tell us what's the best methodology to use in AI projects. Um, but I think, you know, at the end of the day, we have to have the human um, uh, values of leading with an infinite mindset um, because things are subject to iteration. Tomorrow we might realize we need to change a process, but changing the human values, that's harder to do. Uh, we, for example, and I, with this, I'm ending this question, we have the bias in AI, machine learning models and so on and so forth. Uh, and we are afraid that machines would actually take a biased decision and do some harm. But humans have more bias or more predefined mental models that are even harder to change than a mental model of a machine. So of course, I'm going, going into the philosophical discussions right now, but what I, where I'm trying to head is that human values matter a lot. And if we are predefined and pre-built with an infinite mindset while we work on AI projects, that will have a positive impact on our tomorrow and our tools we, we build for ourselves in the end. Yeah, that, that was really great answer, you know, and some incredible insights. And this podcast has been wonderful. We always love podcast interviews, as our as our listeners know. And we've really been enjoying this um, series that we have where we're interviewing other podcast hosts because you get you get such unique perspectives from your podcasts and all the guests that you've had, and you help bring that into your answers here, which is 
wonderful and really helps to provide um, a very, you know, comprehensive picture of what's going on. And I think that infinite mindset is really important that not actually a lot of people always address, you know, where it's not created today and gone tomorrow, it's created today and here forever. So how are you going to make sure that you're doing that in a responsible way, in an ethical way, you know, taking all these factors into account and really being thoughtful in that process. So that's great that people are thinking about that. We have a final question for you. And we always ask this on our podcasts and get such varied responses, even 200 plus episodes in. And I, that's why I love this question. As a final note, what do you believe the future of AI is in general and its application to organizations and beyond? That's another, you know, hard question. Easy, easy phrase. Um, thank you for the question. Um, one, uh, another question I like to ask to, to the people I talk to is like, um, ask them, is deep learning the end of AI? Um, this somehow sometimes hits, hits up the conversation or ends the conversation or it depends. But joke aside and taboo questions aside, I, I hope the, I hope that the, the, the future of AI to organization is greening AI. We talk about uh, how we can make a certain model, how many parameters are into a certain models. We praise the fact that there are certain billions of parameters in this model and in another. But let's talk about how efficient is a model. Okay, it's important, the accuracy is important, but let's put the accuracy in context with efficiency and let's put the, the, the spotlight more on greening AI. Um, and I hope just to bring this into context for everyone that is not necessarily practicing AI, the, uh, the context of one algorithm to train an image, if it shows a cat or not, uh, it processes like millions other images. So the computing power is huge, the storing power, uh, the energy consumed, and this is uh, being consumed and running data centers. And the ecosystem of data centers themselves is comparable to aviation in terms of uh, uh, fuel emissions. So even if we are not traveling anymore because it's a pandemic and we're not taking the plane anymore, we're still polluting like in aviation because our increased consumption of AI models is bringing even more to the table. Um, so having these data farms using as much energy as small cities should actually be on the timetable and uh, any discussion uh, for the future of organizations. Um, and it's happening, it's happening. Uh, big companies like Amazon, Microsoft, Google, they have the carbon neutral pledge. Uh, everything is happening. Uh, but now we, I, I think we need to see more sustainable efforts across the board. To regular citizens, I think we need to educate and they start. They need to start, we need to start asking ourselves, uh, do I work with the most efficient algorithms are there? Do I use the cloud service providers that are the most efficient? Um, does the data center that I'm using has a sustainability commitment? What's that? Um, the tools that I'm being, uh, how are the AI tools that I'm using being applied? Uh, or how large is the impact that I have by the usage of the AI? Um, there's, of course, uh, plenty of uh, nice um, CO2 impact tools out there on GitHub, free of charge. 
um, to assess carbon emissions. So definitely people can use it, use them. Um, as for so that's for impact on organization. So greening AI definitely. As for the future of AI in general, uh, I think uh, intellectual property IP will be reinterpreted. It's in discussion for a long time in many countries. It's voted against. If some countries voted pro, I think Australia, if I'm not mistaken, recently voted for. Um, yeah, something that we track in our worldwide laws and regulations. We we do a report uh, annually, but actually now it's part of our ongoing coverage. But but yeah, you, you, there's some there's there's definitely a lot of conversation about electoral property. But I didn't mean to interrupt. But but yeah. No yeah. no. Yeah, and definitely this is the future of AI because it's bringing something to the table. Responsible AI, you mentioned it, Kathleen. Yes, definitely. Everyone is trying to bring some practices for responsible AI or some guidelines. But um, I think, yeah, I I wouldn't, I don't want to comment of the fact that everyone is bringing something new or different to the table. I'm just happy everyone is doing it. So sure, whatever, how many guidelines or principles or whatever you build for responsibility, but just build them. It's very important. Um, and this, you know, I, I think also the future, the general future will be valuing alignment more. Alignment between technical people to regular citizens, to governments, to uh, businesses, you know, this cycle needs to be aligned more because one feeds into another, and we cannot go sol solely with one. We cannot go only with governments. We cannot go only with uh, investments or businesses. We cannot go only with regular citizens. So it needs to be something aligned. And of course, last but not least, addressing this uh, digital infrastructure needs uh, in a leapfrogging perspective. Okay, we don't have to catch up in digitalized by the book with every step in countries where we haven't had digital infrastructures. Why not use the latest uh, technology? So poorly developed technology uh, countries or e e economies, uh, they need to move themselves forward more rapidly. Um, modern systems adoptions uh, 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 without going through intermediary steps. I think, yeah. AI should function as a leapfrogging tool for many other governments and uh, economies. Um, and for the general public, I believe in the coexistence of machines and hum uh, machines and humans at the level of which machines are not pictures like in science fictional uh, films. No, not at all, but more like... Um, uh, they help us, like human in the loop uh, systems, uh, they help us, um, they make us more aware of the impact of certain actions, uh, predicting something uh, that can happen or informing us, you know, how much impact does an evening of Fortnite or TikTok uh, actually has uh, or what are the technologies used in these apps. Uh, so this is the future, it's happening. I see this future is happening in the next one, two years. Um, I was surprised to discuss with the uh, 12 or 13 years um, uh, folk, folks, I don't know what's the, uh, the term to actually refer, but um, they knew quite a lot. They were trading crypto. They were up to date with AI technologies. Uh, they were building apps and they were testing what I was testing. And I was like, okay, Something is happening. So 
We'll see about it. But yeah, I believe in this coexistence of uh, machines and humans, but not at the level that uh, machines are taking over, but more that uh, machines are augmenting what we do and there's a human in the loop system for everything. Yeah, that, that's something we definitely have observed. And our, as mentioned, our conversations with, with companies and organizations putting stuff into place is a lot like the, we just need machines to help us, you know, <laughs> some of, eliminate some of, the, some of the real bottlenecks that we have, some of the really very lower fundamental issues, not even, we could talk about super intelligence as a concept and maybe watch about it in a science fiction movie, but the practical aspect, if you look at what people are doing today, it's a lot of like the really more nuts and bolts, basic stuff. And, you know, I, I know we're going to be on your podcast. Actually, we have this interview coming up shortly. And uh, I was looking at the questions. You're not going to ask us about whether deep learning is sort of the end of the, or the, uh, I forgot the way that you phrased it. Like, oh, we'll tell you this. There's a lot more than deep learning that needs to happen if we truly want intelligent machines. So feel free to add that question to the, to the list if you want to ask us about that. But, um, you know, as mentioned, this has been a fantastic, we could talk to you for hours. I mean, this has been a fantastic podcast. I think your insights uh, about the market, uh, especially the um, sort of the, this more sort of international perspective, you talk about how you're in a bubble. I think you mentioned something like that. It's actually, you know, everybody's got their bubbles. We're in our bubble, you're in bubble, you know, let's make the bubbles collide. That's why we're doing this, uh, <laughs> these podcast swaps. It's really very helpful. But, um, but yeah, so I encourage all of our listeners who are listening here on the AI Today podcast to please check out the Applied AI Pod. It's actually Applied AI Pod. That's the whole name of it. It's redundant to say Apply AI Pod podcast. It would be like saying ATM machine, which people do. The M and ATM is machine. But, um, <laughs> uh, but you know, go ahead, check it out on your favorite um, I, uh, a podcast listener a platform. Um, she's out there. Uh, many episodes. I didn't do the episode count, but you're you're you've got a lot of episodes. So I encourage folks to listen to all of them and subscribe and uh, check them out. As as I'm sure when we introduce ourselves in our podcast, they'll find out all about the stuff we're talking. So wanted to give a big thank you uh, again and a uh, round of applause to our our uh, guest here on the AI Today podcast. Yes. Thank you so much, Ron. Thank you so much, Kathleen. It was a fantastic discussion conversation and uh, I loved it. It's AI today. Everything is happening today. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much. I really liked your uh, response to our last question as well. You know, not many guests bring up the greening of AI. So I like that you brought that up and you really, you know, touched upon some really incredible things on this podcast. And as Ron mentioned, I'm sure that we could go on for another hour or so, <laughs> but I know we do need to wrap this up. So I want to thank you again for joining us and listeners. If you've enjoyed rating us, if you've enjoyed listening to this podcast and listening to all of our podcasts, please make sure to rate us. We're on iTunes, Google, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform that you listen to. As always, we'll post any articles and concepts discussed in the show notes, including a link to the Applied AI Pods. You can check out all the episodes. And as we've mentioned a few times, Ron and myself will be interviewed in the Applied AI Pod. So we're going to link to our specific episode as well. So make sure to check that out in our show notes. And thanks for listening, and we'll catch you at the next podcast. And that's a wrap for today. To download this episode, find additional episodes and transcripts, subscribe to our newsletter and more, please visit our website at Cognolitica.com. Join the discussion in between podcasts on the AI Today Facebook group and make sure to join the Cognolitica Facebook page for updates on this and future podcasts.
Also subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Google Play, and elsewhere to get notified of future episodes. Want to support this podcast and get your message out to our listeners? Then become a sponsor. We offer significant benefits for AI Today sponsors, including promotion in the podcast and landing page, and opportunities to be a guest on the AI Today show. For more information on sponsorship, visit the Cognolytica website and click on the podcast link. This sound recording and its contents is copyright by Cognolytica, all rights reserved. Music by Matsu Gravas. As always, thanks for listening to AI Today, and we'll catch you at the next podcast.